Hello and welcome to the latest episode from the Girls Active Coaches series of the Youth Sport Trust podcast. I am Jasmine, a young ambassador, your special guest introducer. Within this podcast series, we take a deeper look into care, which stands for creativity, aspiration, resilience and empathy. In each episode, we explore one of the areas in depth with our host Jenny Warwick and our special guests. Listening to the podcast is a great way to get some fresh air and step away from your screen. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Over to you, Jenny. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast. My name is Jenny Warwick. I'm a former GB badminton player. I've been lucky enough to travel the world competing at the highest level within my sports. And for the last seven years, I've worked for some amazing organisations and charities, including the Youth Spot Trust, who I work as an athlete mentor for, delivering inspirational programmes up and down the country. And very excitingly today, that means hosting a podcast with our fabulous guest, Gemma Hillier-Moses. Gemma is an international runner, a UKA qualified coach and a level three personal trainer. At the age of 24, she was diagnosed with stage three Burkitt's lymphoma, a very rare and aggressive form of cancer. After a year of fighting the disease, Gemma went into remission and was inspired to set up Move Charity which supports children and young people living with cancer through the power of sports and physical activity. I think our listeners will agree that we have the perfect guest for our theme of resilience today. So welcome, Gemma. How are you? Hi, Jenny. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on the the podcast and this series. I'm very excited to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We've been so looking forward to getting going. So it's great to have you. Thanks for being on. Um, So Gemma, tell us a bit about yourself and, and how you got into running. Gosh, where do I start? <laughs> All right. When you said about resilience, I was like, oh gosh, there's a lot of years of that that's taken place. Um, yeah, 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 over yeah. over my time. But I think um, running's always been a huge part of my life, and sport has, to be fair. Um, I came from, you know, in primary school and throughout my school years, I had was very fortunate to have really good teachers, um, especially in PE and sport and also my parents being really sporty that enabled me to try all different types of sports and you know running is my absolute love now it's you know it's a it's I love it because I'm I like to challenge myself and I'm pretty good good at it if I say so myself but <laughs> I never I never always loved it I love it for different reasons now and I remember being in in secondary school and the reason I carried on running was because I didn't want to disappoint my parents and tell them that I actually wanted to quit every single year <laughs> yeah. um, I just yeah never you know never um plucked up the courage to tell them I didn't want to carry on running around a muddy field in the winter but I tell you what I'm glad I know yeah I don't know why you want to do it that age but actually I'm really glad that I carried on because sport is a huge part of my life now and I'm you know I have no regrets and I'm glad I didn't walk away from it at any age yeah I mean that's amazing isn't it I mean when we say sport changes lives it it truly does doesn't it in so many different ways from you know whether that's meeting new people making new friends developing confidence being a part of a team it's just it is incredible what it can bring Absolutely. And I think often, I was reflecting on this the other day, often you don't realise that when you're younger. Um, It's only when you actually step away, reflect and look back some years later that you realise some of those memories, the learnings, the setbacks, you know, that adversity that you faced actually has, you know, set you up 
and giving you the skills and tools to kind of succeed in other areas of life but you until you kind of look back at the age of I say I'm young but I'm 33 and 32 years old and you realize how much of an impact sport has had on your life your relationships your work your family um and it is yeah it's truly amazing yeah yeah and I've seen I actually saw that your parents have run marathons and your sister runs Ironman it has been in the triathlon for Ironman yeah she's yeah so we're yeah we're a very sporty family but my my mum wasn't ever sporty when you know when we were younger they actually my mum took it up because we started running um for a club and anyone who's from Leicestershire we used to go to Bradgate Park every Sunday and the parents just used to go to the cafes and have a flapjack and then we encouraged them to actually start running so they started running around Bradgate Park and then I think my mum and dad went abroad and did so many marathons just to explore the world they wanted to go around Europe and they did a marathon while they were there so they've done something like I think my dad's nearly on to his 17th marathon wow so they were actually were they the inspiration for you initially starting then yeah definitely I mean it was kind of we we went through our running journey together if that makes sense so my dad was a keen footballer always in sport mum just power walked on the treadmill so we all went through that running journey together and my sister actually rode horses so she wasn't into triathlon or running until university and she did she tried different things like adventure racing and um triathlon and then eventually got into into Ironmans and did you know she was 11 hours on the Ironman which is incredible (laughs) Um, but I tell you what it's a nightmare if you ever get a running injury and you're out injured for like a couple of months and your whole family are running and doing activities and you can't do anything it makes like like massively missing out (laughs) yeah and you just wish sometimes you're like can you just sit on the sofa and not do anything (laughs) you're so active but you know, it is really nice to be in that environment because it 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 just continues to kind of inspire me and think, gosh, my parents are over 60 years old are doing that. And, you know, my sister has her own challenges and things she wants to do. So it's nice to be part of a family that sports a big part of our lives, really. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've heard you, so your husband set up his own company, New Levels Coaching, who you now work for as well, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so how did you how did you get into coaching initially? So that's, yeah, that's a really long story. Like my, my husband's, um, my husband's like was an international runner, went to the world championships and we met at Loughborough University. So went to a university that I did a sports science degree. I ran, I did everything to do with sport there. So it seems a bit of overload, but um, <laughs> really my coaching journey started when I was young. And actually I did um, one of the U-Sport Trust programs when I was in secondary school. And I remember going to university and learning all about, volu- I volu- it was like all a volunteering weekend. And we, um, I went out to Ken- um, to Nigeria and did some sports development, sports coaching with young leaders out in Nigeria with my school. Wow, that must have been amazing. Oh, it was absolutely incredible. So I went in um, when I was doing my a- AS levels and A-levels and it just opened my eyes to coaching, teaching, but also developing people with the skills and the confidence to coach other young people and so we left to, you know, we went to Nigeria to upskill um, other young people to then coach. And that was just a brilliant experience. And it was a life changing experience of seeing different cultures, different ways people did things, different challenges and barriers that they faced. And I think it, at that age, because I was only 16, 17, it gave me a good perspective on life and to make me realise how, you know, how lucky we were back in the UK to have 
the the courses the support the mentorship that we actually we actually got and they didn't you know it was such a privilege for them for us to come over they hadn't experienced that at all um and so that was the, really the first exposure and I did a lot of community I think for one of my AS levels I did 200 hours of community work which was all coaching I did disability young people I did Star Trek um athletics and I was actually I was saying we were laughing about this um I was my husband's boss at the time so oh, really? I, yeah so I was coordinating the Star Trek athletics camp and he was my assistant and we oh. um which is quite funny <laughs> but we had a great time on those camps so so I've really been doing it since the age of 14, 15, straight from school. And, you know, I think that's that's the beauty of not just physically doing a sport for you, but yeah. also bringing in coaching, mentorship and just getting this. I think from a young age, I got as much experience as I could in this kind of landscape of what we call sport. And it was such an amazing grounding for me to then go off to university and develop it in that area where I also did a lot of um like a lot of mentorship and worked for Nike at university and um put some programs um with university students in place to get young girls active at university and then you know went on to work for Nike straight after that so it did it set me up in my sport as an athlete but also as as a career as well yeah I think and like you say it's it's amazing because I, I think as an athlete and then as a coach you you realize how influential, but also how po- positive an effect it can have on your athlete self as well. Yeah. And yeah, from experience with badminton, that actually I really wish that I would have coached while I competed because I think it can have such an impact on the way you perform as well because you're thinking in a completely different way. Yeah, yeah. And I think you also learn a lot from people you coach. And some people would some people would struggle to be an athlete at a high level and coach because my husband, he set up a coaching company now, New Levels Coaching, and we um, work with um, runners and triathletes to reach their potential. So that's from, you know, any ability, any age, and, and, it, and it's brilliant, really. And he said he'd have actually, at the highest level when he competed internationally, he'd have probably struggled to, to coach because of the actual I think the mental energy that you give to your athletes you want to give everything to them you want to guide them but actually if you kind of switch that round like you were saying you can also learn so much they can give you an element of calm when you go into your performances a different perspective and I think it's it's like to be fair, this year I'm running the London Marathon in October and we've got, I've probably got about 10 athletes running it who I coach oh, as part of um, New Levels Coaching and I I said to some of them, I was like, well, we talked to you all about negative splits. So running the marathon, you start off slower and then you finish quicker. It's the best way to run it. You you know, it's the best experience to have and the best um, way of getting the time that you want to. And I was thinking, if I don't run that negative split (laughs) on that marathon day, I am literally going to be put up on a screen or on Facebook (laughs) saying, coach Gemma Hilly Moses did not do what she said to all of us to do. (laughs) So that also helps to keep me accountable, which is quite good. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's so I mean what's it going to be like to run with the, the runners that you also coach then it'll be interesting yeah because I've, I've been through a lot of injuries this year and a lot of setbacks so I'm going into it with some expectation but also a, a kind of for my own personal sake it's like I'm going to turn up on that site load and just see what happens but mm-hmm. I, I actually from from what I've learned in the past and I, I think we'll talk about this anyway but um 
I'm not as nervous on start lines anymore and actually distraction really helps me. So I used to remember when Lewis was competing on the same day and we'd be in different venues and I'd be quite absorbed into his performances and how he was going to do. And that made me really switch off and relax. So I think it's become one of my mental tools to whatever distractions I have, it actually helps me line up with a little bit of nerves because that's important, but without full pressure. So I think it'll be really nice to have a lot of people there that I'm also coaching. And hopefully I'll have done my job from the start, like before, so they don't have to worry about them on the day and they'll all run really well. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hope. (laughs) I I mean, at the start of that, Gemma, you touched on injuries and obviously that's a big part of being an athlete and and a coach sometimes. Um, And I did, I do have to say I read about a crazy injury of yours which was stepping off a train down the side of the platform and breaking your ankle is that right yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so this is where my life was going uh, really well until up to the age of like 23 (laughs) and it all it all came crashing like literally crashing down in front of me and I thought you know I thought that was the worst thing in the world but yeah, when they say mind the gap between the train and the platform <laughs> at a station, they mean it because <laughs> disaster could happen. And yes, it happened. It happened to me. So I was on the way from I was working in London for Nike at the time and I was on the way from um, on the way back from my friends. I have it just had pancake day and I was dragging all my luggage. So another life learning is not to drag your luggage um, and be on your phone at the same time. Oh because I stepped and anyone who's been to Loughborough Station there's quite a big step and a drop and I stepped down missed the step and unfortunately my um, ankle actually or my foot hit the side of the platform and I didn't really feel that part but my body went straight between the platform and the train so my my legs were hanging underneath the train my body was over the side (laughs) of the platform and I was just hoping that the train didn't drive off because I would have been absolutely screwed and people came to help me and I was so embarrassed I remember hobbling up hobbling away and I was like, oh, I can't really walk here. And I got home and my ankle was like absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a really good physio at the time at British Athletics. And um, I I went to her the next day and she was like, oh, that doesn't look good. So I went to get an MRI and fortunately I broke around the joint. So I had um, a massive step that needed pinning. I had like a pit needed to have an operation to have it pinned. And as you can imagine, so earlier on in the um, the year before, I just joined a new coach and my running was literally going like this. So I'd taken like 20 seconds off my um, 3K time on the road. Like I was going into like being one of the top in the country um, from where I was before. So my running was developing and moving forward. And he was a brilliant coach, Alex Haynes. And he, um, yeah, you can imagine ringing your coach and be like, right, there's a problem. My running's going so well. And I've just fell off a train and broke my ankle, basically shattered it. So for me, that was, you know, absolute devastation. And it was operation, 12 weeks on crutches. Um, I was working for Nike at the time. So before I was going to and from London, career was going really well. And that meant I just had to stay at home for that time, laptop. I got a lot, lo- lot of lovely uh, messages and gifts. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah so they were, the highlights <laughs> exactly they were brilliant but I was definitely feeling sorry for myself and at the same time my husband got selected to go to the world champs in Istanbul the world oh. indoor champs and um, because it was the same year as the Olympics as well um because it's 2012 so I couldn't go and watch him in Istanbul and all his family so this is the way we talk about podcasts with resilience this is like <laughs> hitting you 
like it is slapping you around the face and yeah. you've got to try to find a way <laughs> I love that I love that you're obviously the perfect guest it's just brilliant um, I mean you've got such an incredible story and you've overcome some life-changing challenges and um, particularly with your misdiagnosis only to later discover you had a very aggressive form of cancer um, tell us more about that yeah so yeah I mean it's you know it still feels like yesterday even though it was 2012 and I think that that year was just incredibly tough years I've spoke about the ankle and that was really the start of it and they can't ever connect the two but that was the start of things going drastically downhill so I remember I thought that was the hardest time in my athletics career you know there was tears there was anger there was hatred towards the sport and there was the wanting to walk away and never coming back because I didn't think I'd be able to run properly again and luckily like sometimes it's about having a very good team around you and luckily I had the right physio who I was walking up to the pool on crutches at Loughborough and spending four hours like walking up and down the pool (laughs) so when you talk about insanity as well I think I was yeah half of me was going mad (laughs) it was kind of a bit bit of a whirlwind that period but I managed to get um, I managed to get back well I was aqua jogging I managed to get back running after that but I was aqua jogging at the time and I remember um with my friend Stevie Stockton and I remember touching my neck and I was like oh there's a lump in my neck but it was like really small at the time so I thought you know I might be quite stressed and run down and it might just be glands and in the May I went to the doctor and and she my doctor my GP was brilliant and she just said look it's probably nothing I'll do your bloods and nothing really came back but let's get it checked out by the ear nose and throat specialists and over that time um the lump got bigger and bigger and um by the time I got it checked out it was kind of quite you know like a hockey ball size on my neck mm-hmm. and um the ear nose and throat specialist said it was just a cyst so um because my you know my GP said oh it could be lymphoma and didn't say cancer just said lymphoma but mm-hmm. if I'm honest at the age of 23 I didn't really I hadn't had any family that had, had cancer or um had a journey with it or know many people so I didn't actually know much about it at all and so I assumed you know I was like well why would I have cancer like I'm 23 years old I've never even met anybody who would have it so I didn't I didn't really think that that was it and I just thought well it's a cyst they've said it's a cyst and I remember being away with Nike um in Amsterdam for a conference and I remember being so tired and I was just like I need this cyst removed because they'd booked me in for it they I was going to have an operation and luckily I had private health insurance and I was like, I got, I rang my consultant when I was there and I was like, I need to get this out of my neck. Like I just, I'm just so tired. It's, I'm really struggling with it. So he booked me in the week after. And I remember going into the operation and coming out and looking to Lewis, my husband, well, my partner at the time is now my husband and saying, you know, oh, has the lump gone? And he was like, hmm doesn't really look like it's gone so I was like okay so the nurse came in and she was like look it's um it's not a cyst but it could be one of eight things and the first thing they said was tuberculosis TB um Mm -hmm. and I was like well I don't really know much about that and the second one was cancer and I was like well I don't know much about that either (laughs) um so they were just like I'll go away for a week and we'll do we've done a biopsy and that's a long time a week come back and um we'll tell you what it is So I went away and I think I could see like people were, I went to a friend's barbecue and I had this massive gash on my neck with like all the dressing and it just, things didn't look right, didn't feel right. Like I could tell that something wasn't right. 
Um, and I went back the following week and I sat with my mum and dad in the consultant room and the consultant just said it's cancer. And all I just said to them was, am I going to die? Because that's what I heard happened when you got cancer. And he just said, look, like, we'll do the best we can. We've got the best specialists in Leicester, um, the best consultants to help you. And then we're just going to have to go on this journey. And I didn't really know what what chemotherapy was, what treatment I'd have or what that journey would look like, really, at that point. And I mean, God, the, the amount of, well, just everything, emotion, you know, physically, mentally, it must have been an incredible shock. Yeah, yeah, it, no, it was, because I think that I didn't really realise, I, I just, I wanted, I didn't want to go, that was the yeah. first thing, like I I wanted to, I wanted to be alive, that was yeah. the first question I asked, and I'm getting a bit emotional now, <laughs> I haven't, yeah, I don't know why, that doesn't usually happen, but um <laughs> But when, you know, your parents, you think about your parents, your family, and there was a lot of emotion that came out of it. And on the day, I remember going back and telling Lewis and I was like, you know, it was a lot of tears. But then I remember writing in a diary. I didn't even keep a diary before that, but I started on that day and I was like, I've got too much Gemma Hillier to give to the world. I'm not going just yet. <laughs> and that. that was kind of like that promise to myself of, you know, people and people don't like the word fight, fighting cancer. But to me that word was really important because that's all I'd known all my life from like injuries or setbacks that I'd had before. I'm like, I need to just battle this. Yeah. Um, and I need to give it everything that I've got in order to, to, you know, survive. Yeah. And that's, that kind of was what happened over the next six, seven months. And I developed a tunnel vision that I don't know. I, people always ask me how you coach. And I think I had literally like that tunnel vision of one outcome and one outcome only. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, it, people people don't have good prognosis and still have as much fight as anybody else. That's not, you know, it's not like I can fight more and cure my cancer. It's no. the drugs that do the trick. It's the prognosis. It's what type of cancer you have. But for me, it was just that tunnel vision of mindset that probably got me through it as well as it could do. Definitely. I mean, I think the strength that you clearly had during that time and continue to have um, has got to be, you know, it's got to play such a huge part. And I mean, obviously, you were insanely fit as well. So mm. you think that actually both body and mind, you, you were sort of giving yourself the best possible chance to fight it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that has to be like, for me, this is why sport and running plays a different role in my life to what it used to. It used to just have like, um, it used to be a thing that I did because I was good at it. And it was like competition. And that was what the end result was. Now it's all about body mindset um, experiences and, and that type of thing. But I think that you know, going into an illness or a disease as fit as you can be and as mentally as you, strong as you can be is so important. Like positivity is one of the most important things I can say that, you know, that you should try and try and think positively when going into something because it can really help. But it's also about who are you surrounded by and, and being supportive. But I would say that, and this is kind of resilience and that what the podcast is about is, you know, resilience is about facing, I always think walking towards a problem yeah. and facing things like, you know, full on and even in stress and adversity and really tough times, it's just about how you get through them. And I've had, you know, each, each thing that I've had in cancer in particular, 
it's never just been, oh, I'm really positive. Like I'm fine with all of this. I'm going to move, you know, going to move forward, going to take each day as it comes. It's had some incredibly dark times. And I think that people don't sometimes see that, especially with me, because on the outside, I can be really positive. But, you know, I remember days where I was peeling my hair off my head because clumps of hair were coming out during my chemotherapy treatment. And I, you know, I was losing all my hair, which is one of the most, as you know, being told you've got cancer is horrific. Mm. And then your hair as a woman just falling out and not being able to do anything about your identity, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I don't think I ever realised how hard that was. And I remember pulling it, like I remember keeping my bubble in for so long and then pulling it out and it was just in the, you know, in the sink in the bathroom and thinking, gosh, this hair's not going to grow back for a long time. And, And there's things like I remember my, you know, I had to have bone pulled out of my hip while I was awake in the first two days of being diagnosed and I had to have injections into my spinal cord and that sort of thing. Like things hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of mental kind of fatigue. And also, you know, your family, what they're having to see and go through, you take a lot of the weight of that. And I think that, you know, that doesn't just go after two days that carries on for months after months after months. And that's where the, the, you know, how hard that journey can be. But on the flip side to that, it's, I now look back at my trip going through treatment and what I experienced and I probably wouldn't change, change it. Like I wouldn't like to go through cancer again, yeah. but it's made me, you know, very aware of who I am. It's put my life, put life into perspective and it makes you fully realize that you really do only have one life and that's, that's it. You don't get second chances. And I think it's, you know, I learned so much about me and the people around me that that experience changed my life for the better in a, in a weird way. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing hearing about, well, your journey, but also how much determination you've got. And I, I think, you know, what you touched on in regards to talking about what people see on the front of it, you know, a big smiling face, someone who's obviously got a lot of energy um, yeah. and actually what goes on behind doors and how challenging that is, is, you know, just something else. Um, and I mean, we, this whole podcast is around resilience. And um, I did hear that you completed the North Run, uh, the Great North Run in between treatments. I mean, how on earth did that come about? And how did it feel when you were, you were doing it um, with everything else that was going on? Yeah, that is an interesting story. And I think this is where, as powerful as it might sound, but it is very true. Like, I think, I really think running saved me. Mm-hmm. Um I think mentally, and I still need it as as much as I don't want to say I need it. I definitely still need running now to cope with life in a, in a interesting way. And I think that running really saved me at that period of time. And what happened was I remember, so when you're diagnosed with cancer, most consultants and nurses don't expect you to want to move out your bed (laughs) the whole time. So I remember um, I had to, I had a really aggressive form of cancer. So I had to have a really aggressive form of chemotherapy in the first six weeks, which meant a lot of high dose drugs, probably one of the highest dose treatment regimes that you can go through. I always remember nurses being like, oh, that's the toughest you can take there was a lot of basically I was in hospital for all of it um in little periods out so seven months and you know in hospital going through that but I remember that I coming out the first six or four four weeks I think it was I was in a bone marrow unit and I came out and um 
or is the last day before it's going to come out and I said to the consultant and this wasn't my actual consultant because she's brilliant and she's a trustee on the charity but this other consultant I said oh do you think I can go for a 30 minute run when I get home <laughs> and he was absolutely not <laughs> he just said um he just basically said oh another person there was only a few but had, had the same type of cancer than me but he treated somebody and he said he wasn't running or doing any exercise even a year up to post finishing chemotherapy and you can see my brain like working it out and I was like well that's like 20 2016 or something. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm waiting that long. And um, so what do you do if you can't find the answer from the right answer that you want from that person? You go to somebody else. So I went to Linda, who was one of my nurse specialists, and she was lovely. And she was like, you're mad, you're mad. <laughs> and I was like, I know, but tell me something that I want to know or yeah. want to hear. And she um, basically said, just go for a walk and see what happens. So at this point, I'd been through, I was fully drained. I'd been through aggressive chemotherapy, I had no hair. I was I looked ill and um, which of course you would do and I just came out of hospital and I was like where's my running gear <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go and see if I'm still me and on that day I went for a th- I did it on my own I went because I was like just don't come with me I'm gonna go on my own just see how I feel and I went for a 30 minute run at that point I felt quite good but I think the more you go through treatment the worse you get yeah. but um that day proved something to me and it proved to me that even though my body was completely rock bottom my mind had something else in mind to do it was like my mind really told me that the impossible to everybody else was possible for me and that actually I knew my body better than anybody else so although I listened to medical advice there was no reason for me to not try that run on that day mm-hmm. and that that really started the idea of the charity because I was like nobody here has empowered me to move actually they've done the complete opposite they've told me basically wrapping me in cotton wool saying that I need to sit rest and not do anything and there is you know same as being an athlete you have to have the balance of everything I can't couldn't do what I did pre-cancer diagnosis but I could certainly do something and that was really the journey into doing the Great North Run and it got worse and worse I wasn't able to run as much as I wanted to um (laughs) but we we did things like we cycled into the hospital so I was treated at the LRI and we cycled through Watermead into the hospital to get some antibiotics when I had my periods of time out of hospital and I had an infection that wasn't like really serious but and I remember going in with my helmet and the, the consultant was like have you just biked in here and I'm like <laughs> yes I have but it started to change their perspective as well and what they asked their patients like my consultant Fiona who's um a trustee on the charity she started asking patients what they did and were they active and what was their life like and what would they like to get back to doing but nobody really asked about that before so I was like I I felt really proud that actually I was starting to create some change within the healthcare system only just from my own personal experience um but on that bike ride uh, this is a long story (laughs) Um, I'll try and not take it too far (laughs) on that bike ride Lewis my partner at the time is now my husband it was me Lewis my mum and dad and Lewis was like Jen like the LRI were raising money to create a teenage and young adults cancer unit and he was like you've got cancer wouldn't you raise loads of money if you did the great (laughs) north run while you had cancer and while going through chemotherapy and I stopped and I was like it was a great idea but you know it's a long way yeah I was just thinking gosh that's you know that's a long way but then I was like yeah okay sign me up um so we contacted one of my friends who worked there and got me a place before asking the consultant and luckily my consultant was away on 
away on holiday <laughs> and I asked my registrar so same thing don't get don't can't can't get hold of one person so go to your registrar and he wasn't sure what I was asking I don't think so he was like yeah that's fine I set up my just giving page and I think by the time my consultant came back I was already up to like six thousand so I was like well you can't really say no now <laughs> yeah but you've got to back me now <laughs> yeah and she um she went back and she said she asked 20 other consultants and they all said I shouldn't be doing it and then was like okay she can do it but I um what what was really important at the time and you know this has something in relation to that resilience is when my life felt like it was spinning out of control so I had no control over treatment had no control of what the cancer was doing I I was on like somebody else's routine like in and out of hospital I felt that like doing the Great North Run and raising money for the Teenage Cancer Trust Unit was a form of control and something that I really, really needed and something to focus on. And that at that time, when you're going through a really difficult time in your life, like that was so important. And I realized like what it helped me to do was focus on what I could do and not what I couldn't do. And it gave me something to look forward to and something to be incredibly proud of, even in one of the darkest times of my life, because really like you should just be focusing on going through treatment but for me that wasn't enough and it, it you know like when I say run and save me it really did and it wasn't as though I could train for the great north run like I remember going out for a two mile I remember trying to go out for a six mile run a couple of weeks before and I did about a mile and I walked back so I was like I'm done so that was me holding my hands up being like that's it you know I can't do this run um and then on the day it was just it was absolutely incredible. And in the end, um, my husband, who was going to do it with us, he ended up having an injury and being on the press truck at the front. So he never did it. <laughs> but he did do it five years later. When we, did it, we did it five years later together to do it in an hour quicker. And um, he did it with me then, which is lovely. But yeah, we completed it in two hours and 23 minutes. But bearing in mind for me, that's, you know, that's a lot slower than I did it five years later. But it's, and we raised, I think we raised about 15 grand for, or no, about 20 grand in the end for the teenage and adult unit and got interviewed by my favourite Denise Lewis halfway oh. round. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the fact, do you, I mean, I, I think I read that your family sort of ran that with you and supported you right from beginning to end. Is that right? Yeah, my mum and dad and my sister. Oh, it was, it oh, was amazing. Wow. And to be fair, I didn't talk the whole way. I just kept downing parades because I went off. <laughs> I went off way too quickly and then probably walked most of it but um I didn't literally didn't talk um and they were just um they were just incredible and a guy Cliff also ran with us who was a friend from um who was a dad of a friend from Nike who I used to work with and he was brilliant and um it was just I think I look back now and you know my career in running really kicked off my international career in running kicked off after cancer and that's kind of you know I think that's a lot from a mindset point of view and a life perspective point of view and my running just got a hell of a lot better but if I look back in terms of one of my proudest moments that is 100% my proudest moment in whatever I achieve in life because like I said it's when your body is rock bottom but your mind shows you that the impossible is actually possible and it was yeah one of the greatest memories and sporting achievements for me even though it's probably one of my slowest ever times of, well it is my slowest ever time in running so it shows that sometimes it's not the success that you think is the success that you look back on it's sometimes some of the hardest toughest times that are your biggest successes yeah and how and having the people you know you've obviously got such an amazing support network which is 
you know, you can't imagine not having that, especially going through some of the toughest times of your life. You know, they've been there with you every step of the way, which is absolutely amazing. And obviously, you know, setting up your own charity, which is all centred around the importance of moving and keeping as fit as possible during and, and after cancer treatment. How did it feel when you'd finally set that up? Yeah, uh, yeah, daunting. (laughs) Yeah, it it was daunting. And, you know, I was working, I had a career at Nike at the time. So, um, and I just, I think it was about a year and a half after I got back after having cancer, like Nike were an incredible support to me. Um, They just support me all the way. And and when I came back into the job, but I just realised like my life had changed and my perspective had changed. And I, I was... You know, I moved to London straight after I finished my cancer treatment in February, which was probably too quick. Um, I just wanted to get away from the hospital, get away from that life. And actually that avoidance is is probably not a good thing. I just avoided what what my reality was like. And, and actually I'd seen and I'd been through too much to just go back to the life I had before. And so that's when I decided I wanted to set up a charity. And it took a while because I moved back to Loughborough and um, had a career at Leicestershire and Rutland Sports and did a lot of physical activity and health work, which then I felt a little bit more confident about setting it up. And really, I just, setting it up, I just decided, you know, a logo and a name. The name, it wasn't that creative move. (laughs) (laughs) But it said everything it did, you know, it said everything I wanted it to. And then a friend designed the logo, which I was, you know, one attempt. And that was amazing because it's the cancer ribbon but with the with the running shoes on and that just summed up everything that we were about and I spoke to a lot of young people who had been through cancer and it was just so much around there was no support mentally or physically and you were being told to sit all day and actually people just thought when you finished your cancer treatment that was it you were fine you were better but actually it was the years after that people struggled and I you know I realized for me the year after I finished my cancer treatment I was back on the track running personal bests and a year a year and a half later I was running for England so I was like you know I've been through the worst of the worst but with the right support and you know the guidance and the coaching I was able to get back to my best and better and that I was surprised that I saw that you'd run faster after you drink you run faster than you'd ever run in your life um, yeah. after everything your body had been not just your body but your mind but it, I mean you've talked about the strength of and the power of of your mind but the fact that you were able to do that after what your body had been through is just unbelievable yeah and I think that it was a sense of perspective because I remember standing on that start line without anything to lose I just remember being so I felt like a new person in the sport again I remember being so excited and I think that just really it just really ingrained me I was like I only can live this life once that's it so why am I like terrified being on that start line and nerves are important and I do you know I do have to remind myself again like you know I've been through this year of injury and I'm going to run a marathon in October and I'm not I've not had the build-up to the marathon that I would want to have I'd want to have a year of consistency but I remind myself that well six uh, six months before I ran a personal best on the track I was lying in a hospital bed with chemotherapy mm-hmm. and it is that retraining the brain to think differently and often you get your resilience from the hardest times and that doesn't mean that you so like it doesn't mean that you won't struggle so when I get an injury even though I've had cancer I still really really struggle for the first five days Mm -hmm. but what I do is I go back and 
often the hardest times can teach me the lessons and give me the tools I need. So I have to dig deep sometimes to find them, to try and work my way out of that thinking. And it, you know, it does really help, help with like the journey, things like journaling, goal setting, reading, um, all of those sort of things, talking to people, getting the support, having a plan, all of those things help me through different hard times because everything's relative. Like I might've had cancer been through treatment, but I still have tough times and I still find you know, injuries difficult or or thing other things in life difficult, and that's normal. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah. it is like it, I mean, your story shows life is is quite truly a roller coaster, isn't it? I mean, I'm not going to break into a Ronan Keaton song, but <laughs> it genuinely is, and it's it's the ups and downs that make you who you are. And I think that's why it's so important as well to, although the downs can be you know debilitating sometimes actually celebrating the highs and celebrating when everything is going well and going right is so so important too yeah um, I've got one last question for you Gemma and that is what what, what is one of the uh, just like a piece of advice for our listeners if that's okay so I know you've given plenty along the way but if there was one real nugget of um, information that you could give us what would it be yeah, so I I've had a little think about this and um, I got asked recently, and I think this is absolutely brilliant, and I basically got asked if you could describe your life or your life journey in a six-word memoir, what would it be? Okay. And I thought that was really fascinating. I think if anybody can do that or have <laughs> a go at it, it's really, really good. Like You might have a couple attempts, but I definitely just had one attempt and I was like, I know exactly what it is. Um, and so this would be my, you know, my one piece of advice. And my six word memoir was life is, I think that's um, life's too short, do epic so I know it's wearing, <laughs> but that literally is my one piece of advice. That is brilliant. That is, I will not forget that. That's for sure, Gemma. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like condensed into six words, but yeah. it's, um, yeah, I just, there's not much more I can say to that. <laughs> I think everyone will be thinking of what their six word, six word phrase will be from now on. Exactly. Uh, I think our listeners will agree when I say your story really is inspiring and emotional. It's taken incredible strength to get where you are today. I've no doubt you'll continue to inspire and empower our younger generation for many years to come. So I just want to say a massive, massive thank you for joining us today, Gemma. Thank you so much for having me on as well. It's been lovely to chat. I could definitely chat for hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation while grabbing some fresh air. I know I did. Thank you to our host, Jenny Warwick, and our special guest for this episode. Before you go, remember to subscribe to our, the channel on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, for more great content just like this. Thank you for listening. Until next time, see you soon.